What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 14 of Two Dudes of Sports News. As always, my name is Garrett. I'm here with my co-host. What it do, what it do. This is Jalen Prince. Thank you guys for making our last episode the most listened to to date. We really do appreciate it. Um, glad you guys like that. If you want to see more stuff like that, please let us know. Uh, reach out to us on Facebook at Two Dudes of Sports News, and we'll plug that again at the end of the show. So we're going to get into a nice little bit of a trend going forward. So Jalen and I talked about this and what we kind of want to do is we want to break down the divisions um, and kind of by strength predictions leading into the NFL season. But before we get into that, let's talk about some basketball beef, man. Paolo and DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Yeah. So newly acquired Atlanta Hawk, DeJounte Murray. Um, Before we get into the the beef with um, NBA 2022 first round pick, uh, first pick, first overall pick, Paolo Bencaro, a couple of days ago, DeJounte Murray challenged a lot of the NBA players to go out in communities, go out and play pro-am leagues, Drew leagues, just play basketball. If you in the, if you love hooping that much, you go out and showcase your skills in front of people that, especially the people that, uh, like just go out and, and like showcase in front of people. Don't matter who you're playing against, you're just hooping. Because like uh, he pointed out, there's a lot of people out there that can't really afford uh, afford to go and see actual NBA games. So it really helps out. It helps out your brand. It helps out the brand in the NBA. And it's actually been a good thing because you think about when LeBron did the Drew League, you think about um, Trey Young, John Collins, and DeJounte did uh, Jamal Crawford's the crossover uh, pro-am, as well as uh, Trey Young and John Collins did the Drew League themselves. James Harden has done Drew Leagues himself. Uh, Kyrie Irving. And he's and Kyrie Irving, the man of many words. He even got involved into a lot of off-season basketball leagues, going against from um, going against uh, just random people. And so it's been good. But what led up to that? Dejounte Murray was in another um, pro am. This time it was against uh, again the first overall pick, uh, Paulo um, Bencaro. And a lot of it got pretty chippy and more so personal now because they went back and forth on Instagram. But there was a video. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you go see it of of DeJounte Murray. Paul Bencaro was guard DeJounte. DeJounte faked him out, did a fake pass, uh, did a fake pass behind his back, made Paul Paolo look. He threw it off the backboard and like basically self ooped him, um, basically ooped it himself. That was a nasty and, dunk, but and there was a lot of trash talking during that uh, during that portion. A lot of people found it entertaining. I'm one of those people. Some people will like you know get a little bit too sensitive and think it uh, think it too far ahead. But I don't know what's your reaction to it. I mean, I have no issue with trash talking. I think it brings a different level to the game. Some of the best players have that ability to trash talk and get in somebody's head, and that's something I always love to see from a you know. Just some player, and it doesn't matter what sport. Any player that can get into somebody's head. I mean, Steve Smith was notorious. He was a master it. at it. I love Chad Johnson too, or Mr. Ocho Cinco himself. There's so Jalen uh, Ramsey, Richard Sherman, so, currently the trash talking king, Mr. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. <laughs> I love it, man. I love seeing someone who can get into somebody's head like that and just completely throw them off the game because it's a different element that nobody really accounts for. Where it got too far was when it came off the court. 
because this is all part of the game. It's all part of trash talk. It is what it is. It, I don't know what happened outside of this, um, but I ended up finding a, a Sports Illustrated article by Mike McDaniel saying that after, or quote, after dunking over Magic rookie Paolo Bancaro on Sunday at the Zeke and Pro-Am game hosted by NBA veteran Isaiah Thomas, Hawks guard DeJounte Murray traded barbs with Boncaro on social media. After the clip of Murray dunking over Boncaro went viral, Boncaro took to Instagram to call out Murray for unfollowing him and making the on-court rivalry personal. So okay, me, wait. Who followed who? So uh, DeJounte apparently unfollowed Boncaro. Man, I feel like we're a YouTube gossip channel right now. <laughs> so basically, uh, DeJounte Murray unfollowed Paolo Boncaro. I don't know what was said. Oh, I thought Boncaro unfollowed him. No, so Boncaro took to Instagram to call Murray out for unfollowing him and making the on-court rivalry personal. I don't know what was said. I don't know what was going on, but there was some trash talk going back and forth. Almost immediately after, I don't know about immediately, but very soon after, Murray responds emphatically after seeing Boncaro's message, attacking the Magic Rookie's character in the process. Quote, you try to flex that number one pick stuff on me when I've been rooting for you when you was a kid asking to rebound for me, Murray wrote. Quote, don't get on this internet saying nothing. You change from the humble kid you always was, and I stand on real stuff, boy, and you know. You made it change, or you made it and change, and I lost all respect, end quote. So, obviously, I sensed that a little bit, but I don't know what happened, but this got way out of hand. I mean, that, that's how I feel because all the stuff happens all the time. I like it, this trash talk happens all the time. You know, if you do a move, like it, I'm nowhere near athletic enough to do what he or what DeJounte Murray did. But if I did that to somebody, I'm going to brag about that. <laughs> like, I'm going to talk about it. So I have no issue what DeJounte did. I just don't know what happened in between the game and taking it to social media. Like that, that's, what I want to know before I really pass too much judgment on this. But this looks like we got a new rivalry going into the league and it's going to be interesting. I think, I think it's good. Um, we throw around the term rivalry. So, so very often, and I'm not saying it should stop, but we got to really think about certain things. To me, I don't see much of a rivalry as more as like a, a feud. I guess you're right on that because they're different positions, so they're not going to guard each other too much. I mean, not that play much. Not, not on that. Now they are Eastern Conference competitors, but you think about like where the Atlanta Hawks have been for the last few years, and where Orlando has been for the last few years. Paolo Bancaro has been like the the one of the biggest bright bright spots that Orlando has had in a long time. Cole um, Anthony and they've, too. They've had like Cole Anthony, um, trying Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs, but. They've been they've had some names that a lot of the NBA community know, but as a unit, as a team, you still can't figure them out because like sometimes you'd be wondering what the heck are they even trying to do? No, they were symbol. missing a piece or two. So like and, and sometimes even the pieces that you got, you just wonder so like they got some talent, but how is this gonna like you know equate the wins? How is this gonna like compete for a championship? And so like you look at stuff like that. As for Atlanta, they've had a plan since day one since Travis on uh, Travis Schlink has gotten there. Yep. They got you got your star, you got Trey Young, you got your, uh uh John Collins. Um, you had some other young talent, but you moved them so a lot of made a lot of questionable decisions. But you went out, made a big move. You got a DeJounte Murray, who is a former who is an NBA all-star and one heck of a player. You've seen his tape, you see what he's did for San Antonio. So now you compare that up. So there's a lot more bright, you see a lot more 
Well, not even more. You see a lot of upsides from both Atlanta and Orlando going towards the future. But I can't say much rivalry because it hasn't really been much of a rivalry between two on both the franchises. I just see it more as a feud. I think you're right. I think feud's the right word for it. Like, because to me, the thing that's close to a rivalry that was a feud had to be Paul George and Lance Stevenson's Pacers going against the um going against the Heatles. <laughs> at that time, it like overall it wasn't a rivalry, but at that time in that era, it was because those were the top two teams in the East that basically and that were basically like you win that game, you basically going to go win the championship. Shout out to Lance Stevenson for getting in people's heads too. I don't want to leave you out there, man. That that was that's something. I mean, you got to do it. You got to so, try to throw somebody off. I'm not going. Not I'm not going. Like I said, I ain't got no problem with fuse because it's good for it's good entertainment. It's good for TV. Um, I, I just see it more as a feud, not not much of a rivalry. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I mean, and that's it. I mean, we'll we'll kind of see how it develops from here. But I mean, let let's keep it with basketball. So something we have been meaning to talk about for a little bit is this whole Britney Griner situation. For those that don't know, Britney Griner is one of the stars of the WNBA and she was arrested in Russia a while ago. I don't remember exactly. Uh, here we go. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a while. Per ESPN, uh, 168 days after Britney Griner was arrested at an airport outside of Moscow, the WNBA star was found guilty of charges that she tried to smuggle drugs into Russia and was sentenced to nine years as her trial concluded Thursday. This is posted August 4th, 2022. Griner's guilty verdict and sentence were expected, but now that the trial is over, negotiations for her release are expected to accelerate between the Ru- or between the Russian and United States government. So it's wild that the government is getting involved in this, um, but to my understanding, I think she had like a yeah. Here it is. Custom customs officials say they discovered vape cartridges containing hashish oil. In early May, the U.S. Department of State declared Griner a wrongful detainee, opening the way for the United States to negotiate her release. Which is, of all the things to be arrested over, really? <laughs> really? But yeah, I, I guess they're making a... Uh, to my understanding, they're trying to make a prisoner swap to get her back in the United States, which yeah, is... I did, I did hear about that. Yeah, they're trying to make a prisoner swap for this guy named Victor Bout uh, for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. I don't know enough about... I, I, we're not... This is not a political podcast. We will not be getting into politics. At all. Um, this is as political as we're ever going to get. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I just... I don't know. Just want to keep everybody in the loop on that kind of. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, man? My thought is like, in, like just in any situation, whether you're black, white, or, or or who you are. I'm a big believer. If you commit a crime, you gotta pay. You gotta pay the dues. You gotta pay the penalty. That's that's off the rip. Uh, in this instance, I do want to see Brittany Griner back in America. I want to see her back home. Of course, that's off the rip. Um. The part that really kind of bothers me is not even the fact that she is in this situation. I hated that she was in this situation. Somebody actually touched on this. I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned said like women that play overseas, whether they're in the pro, whether they're in the pro basketball or not, women that play overseas actually makes more money and makes more money there than they do in America, which is sad. Which is, is. very sad, but it's like I understand why most most women go or like go outside of america in their profession especially in sports because they're they'll have a better chance of making more money 
this yeah. incident right now is it, it, it's sad it's bad and you want to see her back home but i even remember when lebron was talking about this on his pod on his podcast or like um the episode of the shop i wouldn't come back to america and i'm like he got a point because if you see how like most of america doesn't just treat you but treat certain women in certain instances it's like why would you even want to come back and i and so i look at stuff like that it's like i hope she gets out but at the same time i'm if i'm her i'm like i want to see my family but i wouldn't come back i mean i get what you're saying because um, i'm still i'm still th- i'm still looking at it as in, as in a totality from america because as much as people want to say well if that was lebron james that was in jail we'll send a whole army that is true true that is very true and that like and and the folks want to mention there's a double standard yes there is we're not going to mm-hmm. that, there's a du- there's a double standard in almost everything but the fact it is lebron how much he makes who he is that's a bad comparison so because he already reached that status he's earned some, he's earned some of that not saying britney griner does not earn like freedom i will not say that i want her out and i want her home but like the thing that i got the most problem with is people want to compare like if lebron was in that situation no no they are both they are both human beings they should both be free especially on some white on some white charges i agree i mean this is america and most people like i mentioned this before and again we're not gonna get too political but our but like this is only this is basically my belief I already know what America is. I already know how to handle certain situations. Nothing that they do surprise me anymore because I already know what they're about. Yes, if that was LeBron, the whole the whole America, the whole government, and the whole world would have treated a whole lot different. The fact that it's Brittany Griner, you get the reactions that you had. This doesn't surprise me. Does it make it right? No. But for but for the fact that what is going and like what uh, like what America and what the government is thinking they might do. Again, nothing they do surprise me on that part. No, and I mean, so you're 100% right. There is a double standard right now yep. in men's and women's sports, and she would never have to be in this situation if the pay was better. Now, just to be devil's advocate, don't come for me, just to be devil's advocate, if you're looking strictly on TV rights and the amount of money each group brings in, I do understand why the NBA makes more than the WNBA. That doesn't make it right. I want to reiterate that does not make it right. But from my financial standpoint, I understand. Now, what we are starting to see. We're talking about facts. Exactly. If What we are starting to see is we are actually beginning to see steps forward. So I actually didn't plan on touching on this. Back on May 18th and 2022 of this, pa- or this year, um, one of the biggest things in equal pay has been the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team. Because the women's national team has undoubtedly had more success and was making a fraction of the money. So we are taking steps towards equal pay, which is helpful. And again, this, we're not trying to keep it political. This is a sports podcast. But as of May 18th, 2022, uh, per Jeff Carlisle on ESPN, quote, the long, the long slog toward equal pay and labor peace in the U.S. soccer landscape took a giant step forward on Wednesday with the announcement that the unions for players on the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national teams had ratified a new CBA agreement with the U.S. Soccer Federation, basically guaranteeing equal pay uh, or as close to equal pay as humanly possible through the end of 2028, which is 
insane. Now, I don't want to, again, I'm not getting into contract talks, but we are starting to, okay, here it is. Equality was achieved in other areas as well, with the men and women now receiving identical payments per game bonuses. So it's, it's identical payment, which is something that has been, you know, people have been striving for, especially in soccer. Uh, for matches, the USSF controls. Players will receive 18000 for a win, 12000 for a draw, and 8000 for a loss if the opponent is ranked in the top 25 of FIFA's rankings. For all other opponents, the amounts are 13000 for a win, 10000 for a draw, and 8000 for a defeat. The two unions will also receive an even split for commercial revenue, which includes such items as sponsorships and media rights. The unions will also receive 10% of commercial revenue between $55 million and $75 million, and 50% of commercial revenue above $75 million. This is notable because while other countries such as Australia, New Zealand, and Norway have made steps towards equal pay in some areas, the U.S. deal goes much further by encompassing a greater number of revenue streams in which equality is achieved, including evenly sharing World Cup prize money and commercial value. Ticket sales, all of it. Once again, contract talk with Garrett. Um, <laughs> I'll stop it there. Basically, the whole point of this is we are starting to get equal pay so people won't have to for or be forced to play overseas in order to continue to survive and continue to make money. She shouldn't have had to be in this situation. So we hope she comes back home and I mean, we'll play if I hear from there. So let's take a step away from basketball. Um, actually, no, I lied. Let's kind of keep it basketball. Jalen, I got a quick question for you. So you remember slam ball? Yep. Grew up, Are you- grew up with it. Oh, I'm with you, man. I remember, it, uh, like, I remember back when it was on Cartoon Network. Yes. The Rumble, man. I, I love watching that. Me and my little brother watch that all the time. I, I still remember the commercial song. Slam. Yeah. Ball. Slam. Ball. Slam. Crash, 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 crash. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's I up? love that, man. I'm well, so happy this is back. For those who don't know, Slam Ball is like hockey meets um, the trampoline kind of rooms where the basketball hoops are. So it's basketball. That's a full contact sport. I am stoked that this is back. Let me yeah. let me go ahead and simplify it for like you know, a lot of the young kids that really don't know. If you play two K and you go to the cages, on doesn't matter which two K it is. If you go to the cages and you play two K on my career, you're in the city and you're playing those and you're playing those weird cage games where you're bouncing off a trampoline. You're either trying to go for the dunk or you're trying to block the shot. That's real life slam ball. Well, basically, is people go to trampoline places and you see basketball and you see regular people trying to jump off a ba- uh, off a trampoline to dunk the basketball. This is the, what Sam, uh, slam ball is. I'm pumped, man. So basically, the rules of the game, games are 20 minutes separated by four five-minute quarters. There are three positions. The handler, basically a point guard. Gunner is the primary scorer. And stopper, which is a defender. Scoring is two points if the ball is thrown through a hoop without an offensive player touching the hoop. Three points for a dunk. Three points for a three. It's full contact. It's awesome. And I am so excited for this to be back. So with that, that's going to end it for basketball. Uh, Jalen, once again, football's back. It was boring. Yeah. Football's back. Yeah. <laughs> football's back. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about Deshaun Watson briefly. Uh, so like I thought that would appeal. We'll keep it quick. Deshaun Watson's uh, ruling has been appealed uh, per the CBA for hearings on appeals. Roger Goodell has appointed a former attorney general. uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, former New Jersey attorney general Peter Harvey. So he's excluded himself from it. 
and we'll see how this plays out from there. That is all we're getting into. We're going to leave it at that. They're going for a indefinite suspension uh, with a minimum of a year. Moving on. Get excited again. Yeah. Sorry, like, to, sorry part, to get you hype and bring it, you back it, down. It's, it's all right. I mean, it's part of the business. But, like, yeah, and I was just reading something on sports. I was just reading something about that on sportsnews.com. Um, well, sportingnews.com article that basically showing all the tweets at Adam Schefter and uh, uh, of ESPN's Adam Schefter and uh, NFL Network's Ian, At- uh, Ian Rat Report were just tweeting out about the whole situation. And Rat Report even even talked about this when he was uh, when he was covering training camp news um, in Denver mm-hmm. that we thought we was going to be done with the whole conversation. No, we was not. And that's no. when the news broke out about like a uh, commissioner. Commissioner Roger Goodell is pointing pointing to Harvey to be the design, designee for uh, the appeal on Deshaun Watson. I get it. NFL is trying to um, like protect the, um, like the like uh, the integrity of the game. And last week, I talked about the four things that could get you banned in the NFL: get you banned, ridiculed, or dismissed from the NFL. Is mur- like number one was murder. Number two was offend uh, was offending multiple uh, multiple owners. Number three, weed, and number four, anything. Um, like number four, basically receiving money that the NFL would not gain from it. And so, like, look, I get it. Um, they're trying to take it to. Uh, I guess there's a fifth thing. I guess this is one of it. They're trying to make up for that. They're trying to make up for that. They're trying to protect the women in the game. I hope that is true. If that is. Then they really should be. Then they really should be investigating hard in Washington. But that's a different story for another day. Because we are once again not a political podcast. <laughs> there go. At all. Well, let's get More let's back. get into the fun side of football. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame game where my Jaguars were an embarrassment, and I am hoping against hope we never have. It's an exhibition injuries. game. It's an exhibition game. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exhibition game. I know. I, I know. It's an exhibition game. I am just hoping against hope that we don't uh, we never have 21 injuries. But why would you hope against hope? Um, that's a fair point. I guess I really thought about what I'm saying when I say that. I just really don't want us to ever have 21 injuries because so for those who don't know, the Jaguars sat 21 players, hence why Jake Luton and a bunch of other people actually started. Um, I don't ever want to see that ever again because that would be terrifying. But we got the stats. Um, I am prepared to eat my words. Trayvon Walker might be that dude. He's a good, uh, Trayvon Walker, the the number one overall pick of the 2022 NFL draft out of Georgia, the guy that had a whole lot of question marks l- leading up to the whole draft process, especially after being uh, like an animal, a beast in the combine. He showed out. I got to give him credit on that one. Um, look, my questions with Trayvon was this: when your stats didn't match your level of production in the combine, because uh, Shannon Sharpett actually pointed this out, the combine is supposed to match the tape in which you give. And from what we saw on Trayvon's tape, it really wasn't much outside of a, like a few big plays, maybe a few sacks. Because again, his stats did not ma- did not match that. And I'm an eye test type. I'm an eye test guy first. I'm a stat guy second. And so, like, I go, I go from that. And again, when you look at Georgia's and when you look at Georgia's defense last year, which which is an all time great defense, which won a national championship, 
you you saw him, but you didn't see him, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And like, it, you didn't feel his presence. The presence that you felt from a Georgia team was number 17. The Kobe Dean was number nine, was big number nine, which is the, the biggest behemoth out of all the guys that was on that defense was Jordan Davis. And we'll talk about him later on. Watching uh, him manhandle that old lineman today was Jaylen amazing. Jalen Carter, who's going to be a first round pick next year, uh, and number ninety five, uh, like Devontae Wyatt, who is with who is with Green Bay. But with Trayvon Walker, nothing. Not saying that the dude wasn't good. It's just like, how did he go from a guy that was projected around the twenties all the way down to first, uh, all the way down to the number one overall pick when he didn't make noise like that? When he was surrounded by other guys that was making just about the same amount of noise as he was. And that was the only question. But we saw in the preseason game, he got a sack, he made plays, he looked unblockable. So, and and you get him combined with Josh Allen. And again, next week we'll next week we'll preview the AFC uh, AFC South teams, basically giving our thoughts, our thoughts uh and on Garrett's turns, our thoughts and prayers for their teams. <laughs> But <laughs> Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker, he looked good. Um, do look good. Yeah, I mean, he looked really good. I like I said, I'm, I tweeted it out too uh, after the game. I said I have been one of his paraphrasing, of course. I've been one of his bigger critics. I did not have high hopes, but I also was like hoping that I'm wrong. I don't ever want to see somebody fail. So, especially because he is part of this team, I wanted to see him do great. And I am more than happy to be wrong about that. I am more than happy to be wrong when it helps the team. I'm good with it. I, I have no ego like that. But let's break it down to kind of stats and everything. Jarrett Stidham looked good. Nick Mullins looked good. Um, granted, this was a lot of backups. You didn't see a whole lot of uh, – you didn't see any Devontae Adams or Derek Carr, which is what I think most of us wanted to see. Um the Jaguars' second string can't stop a screen pass, which bothers me. Uh, <laughs> it was weird seeing guys like Josh da- or Josh Jacobs play and oh, some other weird. potential starters, which kind of rubbed me. The- it-, it was weird, but you know I can't really fault them for it because we had starters on our side to start as well. Yeah, well, um, okay. Here's why it wasn't weird for me: seeing guys like Josh Jacobs. Uh... Zadir, I'm like, what, what, what's what's Zeus's name? Zamir White. Zamir White, um, aka Zeus to the Georgia fan base. Um, seeing guys like that, the the Johnson kid, um, Keelan Cole, glad glad uh, Keelan Cole Jr. Glad, former Jaguar Keelan Cole. Former ja- uh, Keelan Cole, like junior, former Jag. Glad he was able to get up from that nasty hit. Yeah. Uh, that- also, there was another conversation we was going to mention earlier. I'll mention it later. Hopefully, I don't forget. But seeing guys like that with the Raiders organization who's going into a new regime with a new head coach. Josh Jacobs was injured the last few in the last few seasons. Like he hasn't like basically produced the same since he was uh, like since his rookie year. So right. I get why he had to play to go ahead and make some noise because there's actually been a lot of talk in training camp news. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on that Zamir white has been making a lot of, a lot of big plays and he's even competing for the starting, uh, starting running for the RB one job. And again, the way the NFL works right now of where you're going to get that one running back, basically there's going to be more than one Derrick Henry. There's not going to be more than one Derrick Henry. 
uh, we've seen that from Saquon Barkley the last few years. It, 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 you're going to see more about a, com a committee unit, yeah, at the running back position. So if you're if you're Josh Jacobs, you're just competing to be able to like still get your touches and still be able to play. But you got to be you still got to be healthy. And from what I saw last night, dude looked good. He looked he looked healthy for once. And albeit it's going against the Jags in the preseason with a bunch of second strings and um, Trayvon Walker. You saw how you saw like uh, Las Vegas offensive line looked a whole lot better. I was glad to see like out like former Alabama for, former Alabama on um, Crimson Tide uh, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. He looked good, and so I saw a lot of upsides from the Raiders. And uh, but again, we'll talk about more of them later on as we go on. Yeah, and I mean, I I was worried about Tyson Campbell. Thankfully, he's okay. Um, that was a little scary to see. At least everything I heard is he's okay. But that's, you know, nice to have football back again. Even if it's preseason, it means absolutely nothing. But it's just nice to have the sport that you and I love so much to be on TV again. Well, let's keep it with football. So like we mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to do a breakdown of two divisions per week to lead us up into week one of the NFL. So what we're going to do is we're going to go down some bold predictions that we've pulled up. Uh, news at a training camp, and then after that, we're going to go over their overall record. So let's Good start. Tour. Let's start with it. Let's start with the AFC West. So let's keep it with the Raiders. AFC West, the arms race of the AFC. So these are all from PFF uh, and kind of their bold takes. We'll do it team by team. So the Kansas City Chiefs have three bold predictions. They say that Sky Moore is going to lead the Chiefs wide receivers in production. How do you feel about that? I, uh, I, I think it's possible. Who's Sky? Okay, where does Sky Moore come from again? Western Michigan. Sky Moore was the speed straight at Western, Mich or Western Michigan. The okay. only reason I think this might happen is because Mecole Hardman has been the best wide receiver with the least amount of production. Everybody talks about how good he is, and I've granted he was he's with Kelsey, he was with Tyree Kill, so he's kind of been buried. But also like. I, I I mean he looks good in training camp, but I I don't see a whole lot of well, gameplay. Well, let's look at it like this. Uh, Miko understands the assignment. He understands where he where he's where that there's a certain amount of pressure that's on him going into this year. Patrick Mahomes understands that. Um, they don't think it like that, but there is a bit of pressure on that. But for Miko, he understands Tyreek is gone. There's gonna be uh, there's gonna now. That uh, now that big telescope has become into a microscope, and now he's in the spotlight of that microscope. Uh, but like the reports in training camp has shown that he and that he's been looking good. Um, like from the recent news, Miko, uh, like from um, from chiefswire.us.today.com. Uh, trying to think, make sure I get the name right. Okay, there is okay, Charles. Okay, Charles Goldman. He wrote he wrote about Miko Hardman and rookie Trent McDuffie stat good today, where he said Miko Hardman had one of the uh, had one of the standout plays of Saturday's practice. He followed that performance up by being one of the standout players on what was mostly a forgettable practice session from the starting offense. Uh, Hardman had a few great plays in the eleven on eleven long drive period, but he also had this one on one against rookie Joshua uh, Joshua Williams and if you go on Kansas City's uh Kansas City um Twitter 
you'll see the play that they're talking about where he made it. So, again, Miko understands where he's at. What was one of Miko Hardman's problems, like, I want to say, not just last year, but last two years? It's been his consistency catching the ball. He's had a lot of bad drops in a lot of situations. I remember there was one play against the Buffalo Bills during the playoffs, not last year, but the year before, uh, where he had a bad fumble that put Buffalo in, in a, like a prime a prime chance, like, and that set it up Buffalo to uh, score the first touchdown of the game. After that, he made up for it. He moved on. He moved on from it. Miko understands this time. He knows what is uh, like. He knows what's being put on him. But when you think of like you got Travis Kelsey, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, there's still a big question mark on him. Right. But you got Sky Moore and other guys that's gonna pay, um, play a factor. And your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, who's the top five quarterback in this league. You'll be fine. He understands the assignment. He knows he ain't got to do too much. He just got to do his job. And not to mention, he learned from Tyreek Hill on how to be able to handle his speed and be able to maneuver in certain situations. And Miko Hartman has been in this system for a long time. So, you you like, you tied that in. He ain't got to do too much. He just got to do his job. And I think Miko uh, Miko's going be to be able to do his job. I hope he does. Now, before we get into the next one, uh, it's not very often that we get to make breaking news on the show, and it won't be breaking news by the time this airs. Um, but the, since we're talking about the AFC West, owners have approved the sale of the Denver Broncos to the Walton Penner Group for $4.65 billion, uh, led by Walmart heir Rob Walton. So this is now the most expensive uh sports team sale ever. Um, also, the Broncos are now owned by the Walmart guy. So there's that. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. That means absolutely nothing. Um, I guess it didn't mean nothing. It doesn't mean a whole lot of what we're talking about here. I just thought it was wild that we were talking about the AFC West when this happened. So, But that's something for another day. Uh, let's go ahead and Go through these next two real quick. Oh, oh, hold on. Before we go to the Chiefs, because we talked about offense, we got to address defense. Oh, All that's right. coming. Number two, George Karloffs will outperform any season Frank Clark has had in Kansas City as a rookie. And then the next one is going to be Patrick Mahomes finishing outside of the top 10 in a PFF grade. So that's it. Um, let's kind of give our takes on that real quick. I think the defense is going to be interesting. Sorensen left, didn't he? Uh, according to the according to the latest depth chart that's on ourlast.com, which has a, a, like a track of a lot of like teams on uh, future predictions on the depth chart, Gordon, this I don't believe it. Yeah, Swanson's gone. Right now, they projected like as far as defensive backs go be, because Kansas City just acquired Justin Reed, who actually hit what was it a sixty-five yard sixty-five yard dude. Like, <laughs> Look, he's a, a safety. Not a lot of people outside of Texas fans know about this kid, and like, and know about the Texans. But dude has been pre, like, he be kicking field goals even during pregame. So, like, I'm not surprised that he's been able to hit this. But um, you look at like Kansas City's defense. They're stacked with pass rushers. You still got Chris Jones, who's a top five, who's a top five D tackle in this league. Uh, George Kaloftis, uh, George Kaloftis, uh, to me, I feel like is one of Kansas City's steals. In the in the past draft, I don't know how he fell that far, but you no, know, I'm with you. Is what it is. Um, Frank Clark still a veteran, still be able to make some plays. There's been a lot of big news about Willie Gay and his and like his improvements this season. 
But also, there's even more bigger news about like the uh, first on like uh, about Trent McDuffie. I think, I think what what was like yeah he's a yeah he's a rookie. I think he's yep. out of Washington. Yeah, I, he's out of Washington. So Trent McDuffie's been having a lot. Um, been having a really good training camps thus far. So you look at their defense. They were ranked. Uh, let me see if I let me see if I got this. Their defense was ranked eight total. They were 27th in yard, but they were fifth in turnovers. Defensively, they're very underrated. Defensively, they're very underrated. They can make some. Right. They can make some noise. And from what we've seen in the last, if we look at the last few Super Bowls, even even the one that Kansas City won. You don't need an all-time great defense. You you really don't to win a Super Bowl. You don't. Because the way the rules are constructed is there to protect the quarterback so there's a lot more scoring. As a defense, you're just going to make timely plays consistently and don't let little things beat you. Bend but don't break. Bend but do not break. And Kansas City has shown that they've been uh, they've been able to like sustain and sustain that like you look at guys like Legere, um, Legere Sneed, who has who has improved a lot as a cornerback. I see a lot of good things, and like even even at the linebacker position, which they got a lot of young like young legs and a lot faster on that position as well. Like look at guys like Nick Bolton and Gay at the same at the same time. So Kansas City is going to have a really good defense. Is going to have a like a, a very good defense consistency. We already understand that offense is the main thing that run. Uh, that stir like the stirs a whole pot, but overall, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. So, yes or no, Patrick Mahomes top ten QB again this year. Yep. All right, that's simple. Let's go to Denver. So, Denver, the three things that PFF says are their bold prediction this year. Talk Number one, it wasn't all Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson will actually have a couple issues this year. Two, KJ Hamler becomes an elite deep threat, and three, Nick Bonito finishes with the best pass rushing grade on the team. I'm a Seahawks fan. So, again, it was on Pete Carroll. Russell Wilson will have uh, still a year this year, and the Broncos are going to make the playoffs. But then again, I already picked that like the entire AFC West will make the playoffs. That's one. KJ Hamler, I agree. He's going to be a tremendous deep threat if he's healthy. But yep. he ain't the only one that's going to have a uh, going to have a big year or career year. There's oh, no. a lot of receivers in that Denver Broncos in that Denver Broncos receiving core that they fit that. The Denver Broncos franchise has actually been building up to be able to stack weapons on, on like four years. They've been stacking up on this. Now they hated that they had to give up no fans, but hey, you got out. You got to Alberto. Alberto's not a bad, not a bad, not a bad, not a bad guy, not a bad consolation prize. You still got some guys on there. Not to mention, uh, Russell Wilson knows how to work with tight ends, whether like they whether they're big names or not. So I look. So I look at that. Denver got weapons. They got weapons at the receiver. The biggest thing with them is going to be offensive line. You got to be able to protect your quarterback. You finally got one, so you got to protect them, and you still got to be able to run the ball effectively. We, you, you got the, you got Javante Williams, you got Melvin Gordon, you got Mike Boone. I, I'm like, you got Mike Boone. So you got a committee. Denver can make some noise, but I think more than noise outside of their weapons has been defense. Last year, Denver was Denver was ranked number. We understand that the Buffalo Bills had a number one defense. Denver was third, and they got they got a pass they got a pass rush because you just went out and stole Randy Gregory from the Cowboys. You got Bradley Chubb, who is who is going to take another step. Well, at if least he stays he healthy, to, yeah, if he stays healthy, he's got to take that extra step. If Gregory can stay on the field and Chubb stays healthy, the and, Denver defense is going to be nasty. And, and I'm trying I'm trying to think. 
to you, who who got the best secondary in football? Because you can make a case. You can make it make a case that Denver ain't number one. They at least in the top five. They're they top got a, five. They got a they got a young squad. Patrick Satane, the second, who is going into his second year. He's getting a lot of love after what he uh, what he's done. Big body, long, fast. Look at Justin Simmons and what he's been doing for the last few years. And I'm just looking at Denver's defense as a team. They got what it takes. Yeah, I, I definitely think they do. Beat, so, like, yeah. I think they do. Let's go on to the Raiders then. I agree. I think Denver has a very good secondary, but I have to look at everybody's secondary to give a, an accurate response to that. Um, so, Raiders, they say, one, Derek Carr has the best PFF grade of his career. I think that would be hard not to do with Devontae Adams back. I agree. Uh, Raiders finished with a bottom five O line. I 100% agree with that. I don't think they're there yet. I, I don't think they're going to be bottom five. I think they'll be much improved. I, I'll say, let's see, out of 32, out of, how many teams is it? What, 32? 32. Out of 32 teams, I think they'll be in the, like, they'll be in the 15s and the 20s. We'll I see. I can see them improving in we'll the see. new system. Uh, number three, Nate Hobbs makes it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, the reason is a real bright spot in the Raiders last season was rookie cornerback Nate Hobbs' play. He trailed only Max Crosby in terms of PFF grade for the entire defense. Look, have you ever heard of saying uh, iron sharpens iron? Yes, sir. Nate Hobbs, I, Nate, Nate Hobbs, bro, you're going against Devontae Adams, who's the best, he'll do who's the, just who's fine. The best route runner in football. Like, route running so on um, route running so clean and crispy and beautiful, make a grown man Chad Ocho single cry. Yes, sir. It's going to be – Hobbs is definitely going to be an up-and-comer this year. Yeah, he's going to be up-and-comer, but, like, again – uh, with going back with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, look, they're able to get that chemistry and um and uh trying to think not Al Michaels but the other guy uh off of, off the NBA. Uh, look, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna hate myself for well I'm gonna hate myself for forgetting his name, but <laughs> the NBC bought a broadcast crew talked uh, talk at length about the connection between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. They both match each other. Devontae Adams is going to be a guy sent, is going to be another guy sent for Derek Carr. Uh, but not even just Devontae Adams. You still got Hunter Renfro, the ageless wonder. Uh, you and you got like you still got Darren Waller, who he dealt with a lot of injury. He's gonna come, he's gonna make a comeback and put his name back into being the top five tight end in this league. So you look at the weapons that he is that he got, along with some maybe some surprising talent that's coming out of training camp. Um Again, the Raiders got what it takes, and they got the stellar talent. Not to mention, they're going to emphasize a lot on the run game because by committee, you look at you can look at Jacobs, you look at Zeus, uh, you can look at Kenyon Drake, Amir Abdullah, um, Brandon Bolden. They got a committee on there that can run the ball. They can run the ball effectively. Oh, absolutely! All right, well, let's hop over the charges real quick, and then we'll give our season uh, schedule predictions for All right. the AFC West. Chargers defense ranks inside the top ten, obviously. Okay. Defense will rank top five in turnovers. Okay. Probably. Rayshon Slater will be the best graded tackle in the NFL. He's gonna be he's gonna be a top five. I I'll give you top well, five. I, I'm 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 gonna say this. To me, it's either gonna be Trent Williams or Tristan or, or Tristan Works out of out of the out of Bucks. Didn't Those Works get be, hurt? Huh? Didn't Works get hurt? Not no no no. No, that was Jensen. That's, 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 that's my bad. That's my bad. I'm gonna say like I, I've seen a lot of tape on words, and he's gonna take a step. He's gonna take a step up. Not saying that Slater is not. Now he's gonna be much improved because you gotta block Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa every every week. Uh, now the turnovers thing, yeah, 
because the problem with the can and the problem with the Chargers last year, they couldn't get they could not get major stop. They was ranked, I think, bottom tier by Pro Football Focus in third downs. Right, that's not good. You got to get off the field. You got to right. find and you got to find a way to get Justin Herbert the ball. Because I mentioned this before, out of all the teams that's in this division, Justin Herbert got the most pressure. Absolutely, because th- you look at last year's playoff. Last year had to be one of the best playoff. I had to be AFC wise. I had to be one of the best play. Um, we've been given some of the best playoff games in a long time and performances by quarterbacks: Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Those are the guys, especially at, I think at uh, under the age of twenty five or twenty six. Justin Herbert is already considered a top five cornerback or a top ten quarterback. And out of the ten quarterbacks, he hasn't had any playoff experience. He got to find a way to get his team to the playoffs and make that noise and put his name back up there. Because we've seen him what he could do in the regular season. We got to see this in the postseason. I think him not having the pressure to score every single drive is definitely going to help that. He doesn't because he's going to have a lot of help. The dudes like they brought back Mike Williams, Keenan Allen is still a top is still a top route runner in this league. Austin Eckler's another guy. I think they got another running back. I think there's been another running back on their on their committee that's been helping out tremendously. Uh, their offensive line is going to get better, but again, this all goes back to the defense. Be able the to defense like, is going to be be disgusting. able to get stopped because. You got J.C. Jackson. You got Derwin James. You got, you got like, Khalil Mack. You got you got my favorite player, Khalil Mack, the Mack Daddy. You got Joey Bosa. You got Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin you, Johnson. You oh got Asante they, Samuel yeah, Junior. Derwin James. You the Chargers. You got to make you, you got to make them noise now. This year, Adderley is the other one too. You, you got to, and you got they got to make them noise, and I think they oh. will. Again, the turnovers. I agree. Uh, the tackle, he'll be five, he'll be five. I don't think he's gonna be number one. I think I'll give him top, top three. Five. And what was the other thing? Uh, defense top five, defense ranks. It's the same thing. Defense ranking in the top ten. Defense, and the defense is gonna, ranking top defense, five and turnovers. Defense is gonna be a uh, is gonna be emergency. I'm gonna throw out another bold one. Khalil Mack's gonna be back as a top five defensive player in this league. I don't even think it's that bold. <laughs> I don't even think it's that bold. I think it's a very fair prediction. I think Khalil Max Khalil Max gonna bring on gonna bring himself back. Oh, for sure. And I think the only way Rashawn Slater becomes the best tackle in the NFL is if Trent Williams has a drastic drop off in uh, production. Now that but I, I think Slater you, but... Slater's a top three tackle in the league. All right, records: Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Sports Illustrated has them at twelve and five. All right, we're gonna do over under twelve on like twelve and five. Um, I was thinking, yeah, we'll do. Uh, Miss it, beat it, well, hit it. Well, hold on, hold on. We got to look. If we're going to do this, we got to look at the schedules. Strength of schedule is .533. Chiefs have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. The biggest questions this year won't be answered by their opponents. Uh, with the largest offseason overhaul of the Patrick Mahomes era, the Chiefs will have a parade of unfamiliar faces in the starting lineup with four primetime games and nothing but high-profile matchups throughout the first half of the season. The Chiefs, rookies, and newcomers will have no margin for error. Still, the Chiefs should have enough firepower to make the playoffs again under Andy Reid. Twelve and five. All right, so I think they go twelve and six or eleven and six. Sorry, I, I can't do math. I think eleven and six. I think they just miss it by a game, and I think it's just because of the amount of new faces on the team and rookies. You've got the hardest schedule in the league, and I. But I mean, Patrick's Patrick. If the O line is clicking, McKinnon and uh, Edward Hilaire uh, do just fine. I think eleven and six is fair. I think they just miss it by one game. You think they hit it, miss it, or beat it? I think just on the strength of schedule alone, I think it's going to be under 12. 
Um, they got a bye week on week eight, which is going to be near the trade deadline. Can I see them make some moves? Possibly to be able to um, be able to buffer. But like you look at that first, you look at that first. Like let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They got like at least six of their seven and six of their seven games are against playoff teams. Yeah. And two and like and it's again and like in the and week six is the big rematch of the AFC divisional round against Buffalo. And I see Buffalo and I see Buffalo winning that game. Now albeit it's in Kansas City, but I can see Buffalo winning that game. So I, I say I say at least it's gonna be under twelve. I don't think it's gonna be twelve. I think it's gonna be under. Thinking eleven because, and six, maybe because, ten and seven. Because dog, that that division is gonna be a dog fight every single yep. game. So Raiders, they, they're not sweeping nobody. No, Raiders have the. We'll jump into the Raiders then. So we're both thinking they don't hit twelve. We think they do ten or eleven. Yep. Awesome, and I'm with you on that 100. Uh, percent right, Raiders yeah. have the Raiders have okay, the third I, I, strong. Okay. I got them ten. I, I like. I got them ten. I got confidence in Raiders, but I got them ten. Ten. They get the third strongest schedule. They're also predicted to go 12 and five. Um, I I I'm with you. I don't think they. They they don't break eleven. I think they go ten, ten and seven. I'm with you. They miss this. I just I don't think the teams the O line's not there yet. There's no way. I just I, the O line's not there yet. And if your O line is garbage, then you know you got a new coach. You have Josh McDaniels trying to be a head coach again. Um, hopefully this time it works out. But even with all the offensive weapons you have, you can't throw the ball if you're in the dirt. That's where I'm at with it. I, I'm I'm with you. I think they don't break ten. So they missed that one. Chargers, 11 and 6. Strengths of schedule. They actually have the uh, 13th strongest schedule. So they're more middle of the pack. Um, they are predicted to go 11 and 6. So I think the critical games of this are going to be. All, I mean, every game within this division is critical. So I, I don't. I think Chargers I could throw play, that one. The Chargers are playing the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, I think they go. <laughs> First two weeks are going to be rough, um, and they I, and, and they got and they got the Browns week five, and they got the Browns week five, still no Watson. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think what's that prediction again? Eleven and six. I think they meet it. I, I think they I hit think it dead I, on. I think they meet. I think like they got to get off to a hot start. Their first four games, they're going to go. Their first four games. All right, ceiling for the first four games with the Chargers is going to be either four and up. It's going to be most likely three and one. At long time, four and zero. Oh, but no lower, no lower than two and two. Oh yeah, no, they'll go five hundred at least. But like that, but their mid their midweek schedule, like we're talking because they got a bye week on week eight. I'm talking about nine through twelve. My God, that's gonna be a scratch that three. Okay, forget nine. Ten through and ten through thirteen is a gauntlet. Yeah. So yeah, I can see it around that range, but they they won't start getting like more of those losses. Till like, till around like either week ten through ten through thirteen. Yeah, uh, but no, I, th- I think they hit eleven and six right in the head. I yep. think it's a really solid prediction. All right, Broncos predicted record is also eleven and six, and they have a slightly weaker schedule. They're about middle of the pack. They have the seventeenth. Uh, uh, so, if one being the weakest and thirty two being the strongest, the Broncos sit right around 17. So they have them at 11 and 6. I I think they're 10 and 7. I don't see them as an 11 and 6 team. I don't think they're there yet. I think 
if they can't get the run game going, Russ is going to flounder a little bit. I don't see them doing 11 and 6. Uh, we weren't going to be so emotional to me on Monday night. On Monday night. <laughs> Russ's first game as a Bronco is in Seattle. One of my best one of my best friends, he's going to that game. He actually got tickets for it. So that one's gonna be emotional. I'm going with my Hawks. But but like I'm looking at uh, like the Broncos first four game uh, first four games. I can see like again, Lois is two and two. Long shot, four and oh. But like uh, but I can see them starting off three on three and one. Yeah, I mean it it'll so, be What's the what's their record prediction again? Their record prediction is eleven and six. I see ten I, I, and seven at best. I, Nine I, and eight. I, I see. I see. I, I see eleven. I see eleven and six. Because I, I see the defense is going to continue to get better. Russell it, is Russell's the game changer. They have but not they had, to stay healthy. True, but like Russell on like, but Russell's main thing was like it, it was it wasn't health outside of the th- outside of a freak thumb injury on Aaron Donald's head. Outside of that, the dude was still cooking. But now no, he's in, but now he's in a system where a coach is not going to hold him back and let him cook and we'll build see. around that. We'll see. So I think uh, Jacksonville and Denver and London is going to be a really wild game to watch. All right. Well, we are running a little short on time, so we're going to go and call it for the day. Thank you for listening to us once again and giving us your time. Please don't forget to rate us five stars, comment, interact with us any way you can. Feed the algorithm gods to get us going up these uh, ever more uh, cluttered sports channel charts. Also, the more, like. sub- also the more subscriptions, the more likes, the more good com- like good comments, the good feedback, the good or well, good and bad fe- feedback that you give us. There's a good chance, like right now, we're in discussion of trying to make a vis- uh, make a visualize for the show. Try to get more on uh, on the virtuals, not much virtual, but more so on like actual video portion of yeah. the show. So, like, but that's all going to be dependent on you, the listeners, to be able to like keep interacting with us, to be all uh, like be tuning in. The more we get that, the more viewerships we get, that the more chances we we'll, like we'll be able to like take this up to another level. Yeah, I mean, let us know. Uh, like I said, we do have a Facebook page. It's Two Dudes with Sports News on Facebook. Um, you can always talk to us on there. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we appreciate any and all feedback. And, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to accommodate to what you, you guys want to hear. So thank you all again for listening. If you liked it, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody you know. If you didn't like it, once again, this conversation and the last 50-ish minutes of your life never happened. Um, we're just going to move on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving us a shot. Uh, uh, right before we log off, just got some breaking news about like an hour, about less than an hour ago. Uh, Jets fear that uh, left tackle Makai uh, Beckton might be out for the year. Oh, uh, we will definitely talk about that in our AFC updates. So, but if you like this, tell your friends, tell everyone you know. If you didn't like it, this never happened. Um, thank you for giving us a shot. We just weren't for you, and that's cool. I hope you find the podcast you're looking for. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And as always, we will see you next time. Peace.